So this week I've got the most absurdly long thing we've ever potentially done. So again, who knows? Who knows if we'll make it? I didn't, uh, this whole thing kind of came out of nowhere where, you know, because we, every week we pick an old show or lately it's been, sometimes we dip into movies and then during the week, you know, I edit it and I put it up as a podcast and then I listen to it to make sure it uploaded okay. And then I put it up on YouTube and I listen to it to make sure it went up okay. So I end up here and I see Ammer many, many times over. And just sometimes it sparks a little abstract connection in my brain that to me is a connection but i'm like oh this made me think of that you know we should go check this thing out so since last week we watched clue that was like an ensemble you know it was like all these really talented comedians all together in a movie midweek it made me think of it's a mad 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 world do you know anything no. about that movie yeah i know the name um i'm drawing kind of a blank on it now yeah so it's one of these things again just it's been similar to Clue, it's on my bucket list. I've just been meaning to watch it because uh, I first knew about it because The Simpsons did a whole parody of it that, you know, everyone... Yeah, but they don't go around the world or anything. Uh, well, what happened in The Simpsons version is they find out there's money buried under a, a specific tree and everyone in town goes on a madcap, zany, let's go try to get the treasure. So I assume, from what I understand, the movie is similar. It's some kind of a contest. Find the... I, maybe it's money, I guess we'll see. Find the treasure, find the whatever. Okay. I and guess I don't know anything about it then other than the name. And yeah, and uh, I obviously very know very little also. So it's just, uh, it's like this ensemble of famous comedians that were either new at the time or stretching back. It and came something out, that, again, you got to know because you watched it on The Simpsons. Yeah, again, uh, literally 80% of anything that I know from the past is through the kaleidoscope of The Simpsons, uh, which is like... It's like a credit to The Simpsons that The Simpsons, you know, uh, reaches back and references all these things. But then I also feel like because The Simpsons is such a classic, it goes both ways, where the fact that The Simpsons thought something was worth referencing also puts it in my brain of like, oh, that's something I should be aware of, something I should know about. So this movie came out in November 1963. So it's comedians that were the fresh new comics of the 60s, but also going back, you know, to previous generations and stuff. But the other reason why I knew about this movie is there's this guy named James Rolfe, who is from my generation, and he was one of the first guys to, to have a really successful video game channel on YouTube. He would do this series where he just played old Nintendo games and got angry about them, which is just funny to my generation because we all grew up being angry at these fucking games. Because games, ironically, were a lot harder in the 80s than they are now. Games are quite easy now, but back then they were fucking hard. <laughs> so so he, he made up this character that's just like an angry nerd that is just complaining about these children's video games because we all had that experience. But he, he was really successful. He ended up being able to parlay it into making a whole movie. So people of my generation really respect this guy. And it's his favorite movie of all time. He did a whole video about how It's a Mad, 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 Mad World is his favorite ever movie. So that's the additional reason. And then combining it with like, oh, I mean, that's kind of similar to Clue. It's just like a bunch of people coming together to make a comedy. What the hell? That's close enough for me. Let's check it out. But then, so I went and grabbed the movie and I just opened it real quick to make sure that it would play okay. And I was a little shocked to see that it was three hours long. Oh. Yeah, so my first inclination was like, never mind. Never mind. I've already got Johnny Yuma set up for next week. We'll just watch that instead. Because that's just so long. That's so stupid. But then I 
sort of was thinking about it a little and I'm like, well, I mean, we don't have to watch the whole thing. If it's just not working for us, we can always bail out. And this week is a huge storm. So we're kind of snowed in anyway. So if there's ever a week to... (laughs) Iced in. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. We got snow followed by rain. It's the most nightmare combination ever. And, and I just thought maybe as I looked into it, it's actually kind of interesting. I mean, I'll get into it as I tell you the details, but like, why? Why is this movie three hours long? That's so weird. Yeah, because you know what? That puts it in the same boat as things like uh, Gone with the Wind, Cleopatra. They're all, they're all yeah, like extra long like that. Ben-Hur or something? Yeah, all of those kind of super epic movies with the fantastic scenery and yeah, which was a big deal in the, in the early 60s. But to think that a comedy kind of thing would try to pull it off, hey, well, that's interesting. Yeah, the only thing sort of comparable is in the 2000s or the 2010s, there's this guy Judd Apatow, who he was one of the guys who did that show Freaks and Geeks that we watched about the uh, high school yeah. kids in the 70s. He went on to do movies, and his movies are famously way too long. You know, for a comedy, they just won't end. But his movies, like, they start as comedies, and they always transform into dramas. So even then, it's half a drama, and they're like two and a half hours. They're still ludicrously long. They would all be better if they were shorter, but they're still not three hours. And from what I understand of this movie, it's not half a drama. It is just a comedy that will never end. So, <laughs> so I mean, I really am a little trepidatious, because there's just no way this can be a good idea for this movie to be that long. Hey, might be. Yeah. Might be. We've done this before where we've said, well, even Clue. Yeah, literally last week this happened. Um, where I was you like, know, you, you were kind of like, that. Ah, there's no way that'll work, those three endings. And you were still a little ee with it, but I thought it worked fine. Yeah. Yeah, and actually, we'll get into that later. I've got, uh, because this is so long, we'll take an intermission halfway through, and I got some comments and stuff about previous episodes. Clue's one of them, but we'll get to that. Uh, yeah, so, so again, just an experiment. And, uh, I mean, I think the only time we've ever not finished something was Spencer's Mountain, the movie that was uh, the prototype of the Waltons. We only watched half of it because it just oh, was going yeah. nowhere. Yeah, and we were hungry. We went for lunch. When we came <laughs> yeah. back, we said, eh, forget it. We don't care. So, we don't uh, care about those people. So I'm not planning on bailing out halfway through, but just to warn anyone clicking on this who's who this is their favorite movie and they just can't stand for anyone to not think it's the greatest movie of all time, I'll just pre-warn you that there's no guarantee. If we get an hour and a half in and it's just not working, we're not going to sit through the other hour and a half. But again, who knows? Maybe it'll be great. But but yeah, just just the weirdest thing. But that's, again, where my initial thing, as soon as I saw the three hours, I immediately said, we can't do that. You know how it might work? If it's kind of episodic, right. it might work. Because sometimes you watch uh, like TV serials, and they're spread out over, you see a certain amount this week, and then you see next week, and then you see next week. But they all tie together. If you saw them all together, they could be, maybe be as long as six hours, 15 hours. So let's give it a shot. And this movie has a, an insanely huge cast. Like when they say it draws from co- like comedians from all different eras, it's more like they just put all of them in it. <laughs> so yeah, maybe. Maybe it'll just be an endless array of little uh, funny episodes scenes. Of, yeah. of this comedian and his episode and that comedian and his episode... So yeah, let me tell you the uh, basic info that I learned about this movie. So yeah, the original cut of the movie was three hours and 22 minutes, even longer than what survives. And the theatrical cut is a mere two hours and 40 minutes they managed to cut it down to. Director uh, Stanley Kramer 
was oh, well uh, known, well known director from the '60s. Yeah, Guess Who's Coming to Dinner is the is the movie I'm most aware of that this guy made. But he was known for dramas such as that. This was his first comedy, and uh, yeah, again, I guess he just had a, a an odd take on things that it should be the longest thing <laughs> of all time. But it was nominated for a bunch of awards. It made tons of money. This movie was really successful. But against his wishes, the film suffered severe cuts by its distributor United Artists in order to give the film a shorter running time for its general release. And again, it's one of those cases where, in general, I would say, you know, go with the artistic vision of it. It's annoying when the money men get in there and interfere. However, in this case, I feel like I would have done the same thing. Three hours and 22 minutes is crazy. We'll have to see. And maybe he was being, if this was his first comedy and he had always been in dramas, maybe he was making a little poke at these other dramas of the day that were hugely expensive and hugely episodic and hugely dramatic and all all about three hours long. You know, the Cleopatras and the Ben-Hurs and the et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, so for this current version, they went back and restored as many scenes as they could, but unfortunately not everything was still there. So uh, it's not his full three hour, 22 minutes. It's a more like about three hours. So still missing 20 minutes, but again, yeah, it's just, I just don't know what to think about this, this length. Like I just, I really can't hold it against them because I feel like even two hours and 40 minutes, mm-hmm. but bananas, just bizarre. But I'm also, I mean, I'm a very big fan of the 90-minute film. It's a lot more rare than you would think it would be. But you can really do some great stuff in 90 minutes. Like, I feel like editing is its own art. And clearly a 3-hour and 20-minute movie had no editing. (laughs) You know? Although that's not true. There were so many people in this movie. They said there's still uncredited various cameos and stuff. Yeah, maybe he had to give everybody their little spot in the sun. Yeah. Maybe that was part of the deal. Like, maybe they didn't charge him a whole lot. They wanted to be in the movie because he was a well-known director. So now he had to give everybody their little spot in the sun. And so it just went on and on and on and on and on. And then additionally, this ties into what you were saying about the, the epics of the time, is that that's literally what they called them in this article I read. This film followed a Hollywood trend in the 1960s of producing epic films as a way of wooing audiences away from television and back to movie theaters. And it was also filmed in Cinerama that is... Originally, Cinerama was... They would literally film on three cameras at once and project it on three projectors. So it's super widescreen. And uh, and it would have this like special kind of curved screen. It's really pretty amazing. And again, just so people would come to the theater and not stay at home and watch TV. So this is a later Cinerama film where they didn't go that far. Instead of three cameras, it's all on one camera, but it's on this, again, still just like 70 millimeter where a normal movie is 35 millimeter. Super duper widescreen. So you'll see when we bring it up, like how we've got the widescreen monitor, but there's still going to be black bars at the top and bottom because it's even more wide than this. Well, yeah, see, I remember when that was one of the... The chariot scene in Ben-Hur, I think, is where I first heard about that. And the chariot scene is famous for, instead of just showing a, a few of horses and the chariots running, like two or three, it's panoramic. And it shows this wide shot of these chariots. And it's not just a couple of them, it's a whole range of them. And then they, they zero into wherever the main man was there. Oh, uh, Charlton Heston. Charlton Heston. And then they shoot, come back out again, and they show this wide range thing. And that was quite the thing of the day to be able to film that that way. 
So. They actually, uh, that guy Quentin Tarantino brought back a process similar to this with the ultra widescreen a few years ago. And it was kind of interesting because it was a Western movie called The Hateful Eight. And it started off with these like beautiful vistas of like the snowy Montana mountains and stuff in the outdoors. And you're like, whoa, this is neat because it's so super widescreen. I went and saw it in the theater. But then most of the movie takes place inside this one saloon. And it's like, why, why is this ultra widescreen? Is this really necessary? But then it's so neat because the whole, the whole movie is like a two hour long standoff. It's just all these people trapped in this one place that don't trust each other. And because it's so ultra wide, sort of like that, where you can see all of the different chariots, in this case, you can always see where everybody is in the room at all times. So it's like just one of these weird things Quentin Tarantino does because he thinks he's the cat's meow and he just does weird stuff like that. Mm. But then it was actually neat. It was kind of cool. Well, see, in this day and age, they do all that with computers. But in that day and age, like that, the chariot scene, that is actually horses and chariots yeah. and the real thing. And, and they're filming it in, in these wide range things. It's a, after somebody pointed it out to me, it's quite fascinating to watch that scene from that standpoint. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that is crazy. I mean, in the case of horses in particular, that's one of these cases where it's probably better that they use computers, because I don't know about Ben-Hur, but a lot of those movies, man, they did some bad shit to, to get horses to do what they want yeah. in movies, but they had no choice but to use real stuff. So yeah, it was, it was a different time, that's for sure. Uh, let's see. The title, I guess, should be brought up because it's such a weird title. So one of the early titles was One Damn Thing After Another, which I think is kind of funny because I get a lot of criticism on YouTube from, uh, you know, we get tend to have somewhat of an older audience because we're watching older stuff. And a lot of people do not like my casual swearing. They really don't like it. But it's like, hey, I'm sorry, but for me to... The whole reason we're doing this is just to have fun Sounds and chill out. Sounds natural to you. Yeah, like it wouldn't be fun for me to have to police myself. I, I, and I feel like I don't swear that much, honestly, compared to... I mean, it's just, it's just not a taboo anymore. No one cares about swearing. You know, I'm sorry. My generation won that battle. But to uh, the older generation, I swear way too much. But then it, it just cracks me up when I see something like that. In 1963, they were seriously considering calling a movie one damn thing after another. Like, I feel like swearing has always been a lot more socially acceptable than anti-swearing people like to think. You know, sure, maybe that's not the F word, but, but that's pretty blasphemous, isn't it? <laughs> For a movie title? Well, I always thought the word damn was highly overrated anyway. You know, it's a little different than the F word. I guess, but not to me. To my generation, yeah. they both mean nothing. <laughs> they mean nothing. Yes, yeah. <laughs> so. to my generation, per, well, I don't know how people feel about that, but I always felt the damn word didn't yeah. Didn't mean anything. Right. Well, I mean, I don't know, because again, presumably it's a different conversation, I guess, but, you know, it's the, the blasphemy thing. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. Know. My answer to that when I was a kid was always, when anybody said anything, and it's just, uh, well, what do you mean? Just a thing holds back water. <laughs> right. Uh, so anyway, It's a Mad World was the fourth or fifth title that uh, Stanley Kramer and the screenwriter's name was William Rose. They came up with It's a Mad World. And then as they were talking about the movie and developing it, they just kept adding more Mads to the title as time progressed. And then... It's come longer and longer. They got more Mads in there. Yeah, kind of appropriate yeah, for a three-hour movie. And then uh, Kramer considered adding a fifth Mad to the title before deciding it was redundant, which is a bizarre thing to say because the second one is redundant. But then he noted in interviews he later regretted that he didn't add a fifth one. <laughs> it's like, sounds like he just, there's nothing that could be too long about this movie. So uh, then the last thing I thought we'd do before we throw this on is like with um, 
because there's such a large cast of people that were famous at the time, like we did with the Carry On film, where I just listed them just to see you as a teen of the 60s and me as a teen of the 90s, who knows who? How many people do we know out of this list? So again, I told it, like I said, the, the list is insanely long. So I went with only the main cast, but right. I just thought I'll go down the list and see if you know these people. Spencer Tracy. Yep. Okay, I don't know Spencer Tracy. You don't? Nope. Okay. I guess I will now. Uh, Milton Berle. Of course, yes, I know Milton yes. Berle. Uh, Sid Caesar, I know the oh, name. Oh, yeah, yeah. Didn't we watch something on Sid Caesar and some of this stuff? Probably. Early black and white TV? Like a lot of these people, like the, the names that I know, but I can't yep. place the face. When I see them, yep. then I'll know them. Uh, Buddy Hackett, of course I know yep. Buddy Hackett. Ethel Merman, I oh, know the name. yes. Uh, singer, though. I wouldn't have thought a comedian. Right. But then Spencer Tracy, too, not a comedian. I, he's, a, he's a major actor. Uh, Mickey Rooney is oh, kind yes. of super famous on this list for me because he was on The Simpsons. So, <laughs> <laughs> so he's top of the list for me out of this list. Uh, Dick Sean. Dick Sean. Can't, don't, can't place him. Uh, Phil Silvers. Oh, yes, big time. Sergeant Bilko. Oh, okay. <laughs> I know Sergeant Bilko, but I didn't know the name Phil Silvers. Terry Thomas. I think Terry Thomas. I think I might know him, but I couldn't say for certain. Yeah, I don't know that one. There's another name I know, but not the person. Jimmy Durante. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah big nose. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure I'm going to recognize basically all these people. Edie Adams. Oh, yes. Uh, Good looking girl, dark hair. Yeah, she was a comedian. I thought she was paired up with somebody, E. Adams and so-and-so, but I don't know who it is. Yeah, the only thing I, I just, that name I vaguely know because it's such a, an odd name. It's not a name you hear very often. Uh, Dorothy Provine. Oh, yes, Dorothy Provine. Again, good looking. Again, more act, actress. A lot of these are, yeah, not, not comedians necessarily. Right. I do remember like Joss Whedon saying he liked to hire dramatic actors in comedic roles because he found they could they they were fine at it and they have other things they can do <laughs> you know they're more versatile this one i feel like was a bit of a, a cheat because they list him as eddie rochester anderson oh yeah 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 um, so if they had said eddie anderson i wouldn't have remembered that that was rochester yeah. but so that's weird he's the only one that is credited that way but it's like okay i know him yeah and of course peter falk he's probably yeah. second most famous to me after <laughs> after mickey rooney sure <laughs> And then the supporting cast list is even longer than that, so I won't go through all that, but there's some pretty big names. Buster Keaton, Don Knotts, Carl Reiner, the Three Stooges. So, uh, oh, yeah. again, everybody and their dog yeah. is in this movie. Everybody wanted to be in there, <laughs> which is why it had to be three hours. All right, so, yeah, so we'll aim for 90 minutes, take an intermission, and then we'll uh, stop in at that point to see how it's going. Okay. <laughs> so. Oh, and this is actually, man, pretty close to the 322. This one is three hours and 17 minutes. So he's only missing like five minutes of whatever the original cut was. So that's even more complete than I expected. So we reached the intermission point of the movie and uh, yeah, I don't know. It's uh, it's just it's just too long, you know. <laughs> I mean, it's it's an okay movie. I don't mind it. It seems kind of okay. But yeah, I noticed like if we're at like an hour and twenty two minutes, and you know, when any other comedy would be sort of wrapping up, and then it had that feeling of like, oh, stuff's kind of getting kind of intense. It feels like it's wrapping up, and then the intermission hit, and it's like, oh, that's why it hit that point. But 
Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't feel bad about it. It's not like I don't like it, but I don't really want to finish it. <laughs> you know. Well, I'll probably finish watching it, but it uh, really doesn't do a lot for me. Yeah, and I mean, like I was saying, uh, later I gotta I gotta go meet my cousin, but he's not gonna be home for another hour and a half. So I mean. Might as well. But but that's like, I do feel like it's just because we're snowed in. I got to kill time until five o'clock anyway. So that's enough reason it's to keep watching it. It's not something I'd ever watch again. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's just so fucking long. And then, uh, so I went and looked up uh, James Rolfe's thing, if anyone wants to see it. It's the Angry Video Game Nerd, his top 50 favorite movies. And we just watched his quick little what he had to say about it. And, uh, and he did point out that the three-hour version we have is too long <laughs> you know he recommended the two hour and 40 minute version but yeah that's something i noticed as we were watching is uh definitely this three hour 17 minute one is unquestionably unnecessary because you can tell where they restored it because all of the added scenes are you know from different sources and they're much lower quality and they're all like i feel like the uh cuts even though they were saying the director was saying how upset he was that uh the studio made these cuts but they seem like very uh, careful cuts. Like it's just at the start of a scene when they're kind of restating what's going on or at the end of the scene when there's a little extra that isn't needed. Like none of it is important. They, yeah. they It's a little too long-winded. Um, now that James Roth mentioned some very valid points about like beautiful scenery, that is true. Absolutely gorgeous scenes of California. But the movie itself, I... I I don't know, I don't find the humor or the little situations all that rollicking. Yeah, it's certainly not hilarious. It's, yeah, it's just kind of like, ah, that's a clever little thing. Amusing, but uh, it's not a movie that, uh, sometimes you watch a movie and you say, absolutely, I'm going to watch that again. Because there's obviously things I've missed, and if I watch it again, I know I'm going to pick up on that. The more I watch it, the more I'm going to get out of it. Not this one. Yeah, this one is so much so the other way that you had some clients uh, had to come in and do some some paperwork. And at first I was going to just pause the movie and wait until you were done dealing with clients. But it's so long. And I'm like, well, let me just let it roll. And, you know, if anything big happened, I would stop it. And I never felt like I'm like, yeah, I can easily catch you up on what happened. In, exactly. In and like I a- said the same thing. Obviously, we were about a quarter of the way into it. And I said, you just keep on watching. And then just bring me up to speed on it. I don't really need to see it. Yeah, it's like, okay, this guy's now on a bicycle. These people are in a plane, you know. It's a little bit zany how they got there. But, but yeah, like, very, very easy to describe. And then when you showed that little clip that the Simpsons had in their version of it, and you know what? That said it all. Yeah, and it was like... And yeah, well done. <laughs> yeah, and the Simpsons parody part, it was uh, Homer the Vigilante. It's just the last three or so minutes of the episode. And, yeah, I do feel like they really kind of hit the the feeling of it and the style of it but in in three minutes yeah in half a percent of the time so so much faster (laughs) it's like three minutes rather than three hours it's like just because basically the plot is the original people find out that this guy has buried some money somewhere and they stupidly can't keep the trap shut yeah they tell everybody everybody that they connect up with yes they have trouble getting to the location but they all spill their guts. Well, that's what happens in The Simpsons. Homer just goes out and yells it all out, and the whole damn town's going going nuts. That's the theme. That's yeah. the plot. And yeah, they did it, it in three minutes, and they did a beautiful job. Yeah, because even that in the movie, it is a little bit, uh, 
you know, there is this large cast and they all are doing their different things, but it's all remarkably similar. You know, they all have some problem with their vehicle. They all have to get another vehicle. They all inadvertently or directly tell someone else about the treasure. So is it really eight different plots or is it one plot eight times? <laughs> you know? And now the only reason why I'm prepared to sit and watch another hour and a half or hour and 20 minutes or whatever is uh, is the ending going to be the same as it was in The Simpsons? Simpsons, right. they dig it up and they find out that there is nothing there, a little note that says, hey, suckers. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. But I do think at the very least, uh, because it's so easy to tell when the scenes have been added in because the film quality is so, the whole film grain and everything changes, I am going to skip over those because sure. we've definitely I, established at this point. And I don't think we're going to miss anything because it's not really the kind of drama or comedy or whatever that you're missing anything right there's no there's no there's no lines that i'm hearing there i'm saying oh man like that that meant something i better backtrack on that and see what what did that really mean it's it's pretty superficial yeah yeah and uh one thing too james rolf pointed out that is very interesting that i'm surprised i didn't read in like the wikipedia article or anything is that the movie essentially takes place in real time and it's like that does feel it feels like real time, all right. Yeah, because like, it does actually seem like they're traveling at about the uh, rate that you would be able to travel, which is interesting. It's neat, but it's not a better viewing experience. Again, like I was saying before we even started it, that uh, I'm a huge fan of editing. Like, editing is its own, its own art, like I said. And that's another case of editing, of like, there's just... Like, why show it in real time? What is the benefit besides as, like, a film school trick? You know, like, for the audience's sake, there's no benefit to showing things in real time because that's the point of a movie. That's the point of editing. Someone's probably going to get mad at me about that because last week somebody... That's a good segue. Is I got some... uh, While we're in intermission, I've got some uh, comments that we got. We got a lot of comments this uh, week on YouTube, and a lot of them are interesting, so I thought... Let's do a mailbag segment while we're, while we're in the break. And uh, so if you're not a regular listener to our program and you don't care, and as a matter of fact, you could probably just stop the episode right now because I don't know if we're even going to continue the podcast at the end. Like, I feel like if, some, if our opinion of the movie radically changes by the end, we can come back in. But if it doesn't, I think we've said our no, piece. I think we've pretty well expressed our feelings of it. So let's end off with some, uh, some mail. <laughs> so, Clue. So about Clue, Jamie Davider commented, the movie makers made three endings and people in the 80s traveled to other cities to find the total movie experience. Three tickets for the price of one. It was a very fun experience. So that's interesting that people went to those lengths to see the other endings. But that doesn't sound like a fun experience to me. That sounds like a pain in the ass. (laughs) Because like you were saying last week, the way Clue ended up on home video is actually very neat. Like ending one, ending two but no no ending three is the real ending but if you just had to if you had to drive to a different city to see just one of those endings i feel like that's just a pain in the butt oh well now here we are at the end and uh oh if you want to find out what happened you got to go to city number a to find get an ending maybe you get yeah the the, uh you know the miss scarlet ending in cincinnati yeah 
and maybe the second ending in New York. Right. Yeah. So I mean, I don't know. You have to be pretty hardcore. Way. Yeah, it was a yeah. I, I the home video was much better. I thought they did a very nice way of had a nice way of presenting that. Yeah. So yeah, because like I was saying this last week, this could have happened. This could have happened. But here's what really did happen. Yeah, because last week I was quite opposed to the the very notion of multiple endings. But I was willing to say, like, okay, yeah, the way it, it ended up on video with all the endings was kind of neat. I'm still staunchly opposed to there just being one of the three. And especially if you got to drive to other cities. Yeah. Forget that. However, some other guy said uh, that if I didn't like multiple endings, I have a low IQ and I should grow up. <laughs> 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 Which, I mean... So that's where I feel like now that I'm saying that this movie, that Mad Mad World, would benefit from editing, I'm sure another version of that same guy is going to say that. Like, said that your IQ is really low. Oh, what, you can't watch a real-time movie? Grow up. Yeah, which again just comes up many times that, uh, yeah, that I'm surprised at the, uh, how juvenile some of the comments are we get. People get really personal about it. Yeah, because again, it's not just, you know, I always just assumed... That when you read these comments on the internet, it's some twelve-year-old who's just being a jerk. But these are, these are old people, and they're not wise. <laughs> you know, it's really annoying when somebody leaves like a real jerky comment, and then I see that they've only joined YouTube in 2022. They're brand new. They just started an account, and they just think this is what the internet's for—to just be an ignorant jerk. But uh, let me, speaking of that, I'll jump forward a little because I got uh, so with the Beatles. We did that video about our two different generations where I'm a Nirvana kid, you're a Beatles kid, and discussing, you know, because the basic thing was just that literally my whole life, since the second I was born, the Beatles were considered the greatest band of all time. And that's just a, a heavy weight when you're coming in at the as a further generation of like, yeah, sure, okay, their songs are catchy, but like it just didn't make sense to me. So we were discussing that. So the nice comment was, uh, B commented, great video, very interesting conversation, bringing up a lot of interesting points that even being a Beatle maniac myself, I didn't think of. I showed this to my boyfriend who isn't too knowledgeable about the Beatles because this dissects why they were so influential and so popular even today. And the comparisons to the 90s music certainly show their impact. Glad I came across this. So my God, that's a nice comment. However, virtually every other comment, there is, it's so obnoxious. (laughs) Just like these aging jerk Beatles fans who really, to be fair, what I think it is, this is my my theory, is, you know, the Beatles really are a unique situation. There's no other band where everyone's, you know, where you can just say this is the greatest band. There's not even a number two band. It's just the Beatles. They've just, they got that spot somehow. They are the band. So I think it's not even so much about the Beatles or about music. I don't think these people are real music fans if they just are obsessed with only the Beatles. I think it's just a conduit for people with annoying personalities. If they want to comment and be a jerk, this is a safe space for them to comment, how dare you not recognize the majesty of the Beatles and that the Beatles are not just a little better, they're so much better than every other band. so I'm from that era. Give me one of those comments. I didn't didn't write them down, because fuck these people. One guy was such an asshole, I just told him to F off and deleted all his stuff. I'm like, (laughs) you don't get to do this on my video. You can go to hell. But one of the softer ones, but it's just like, it's just a jerk off thing to say, is the Beatles didn't change with the times. They were the times. It's like, why don't you fuck off? (laughs) That's a... 
Yeah, because there were so many other, uh, there was Cream and the Yardbirds, and there was, I'm just mentioning them because their their, their guitarist, Jeff Beck, just died. Um, there was uh, so many groups in that, that came out at that time frame, and the Beatles were just a part of it. There's no question they were together. They, they could create all this music that kept changing and changing and changing, but there were others in that British, especially that British invasion from the early 60s up until, well, probably the early 70s, that was, it was so different. Um, I don't, you can't just say it was all just the Beatles and they were the be-all and the a-all and the only ones. They weren't. They were like a conglomeration of this wonderful music. And in a larger context, too, of just discourse in general or debate or whatever, what are the chances that I'm going to respond well to that, you know? Like one guy deliberately, like the, the guy I deleted, he brought up like, like uh, you think Nirvana is good, Pfft, you know, like the literal thing we said in the video of like, that's why I don't like Beatles fans, because they, they say shit like that. And it's like, just because I like Nirvana better, I was born in 1979. Of course, I like Nirvana better. And yeah. it's just so it pointless. It's so pointless to just be like, yeah. how could you You're so you're an idiot. A different time for you and for people like me. Again, I, I would not just say, I wouldn't say the Beatles were the greatest band, although I was a raving Beatles fan. They were, they're excellent. Well, that's where I But there were others who were equally excellent, excellent, excellent music that was, and it, it, it's just that it was a whole different source of music that, that influenced the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, the 2000s. It has had tremendous influence on all that stuff. But it was so different than especially radio of the 19, let's say, the 40s, big band sound, the 50s, where you had the beginnings of rock and roll, but you still had a lot of schmaltzy stuff on radio, right. which is which is what we mostly listen to, radio. And then all of a sudden you had this sweep of guitars and drums and songs and it was just different yeah and i mean as we kind of the conclusion we basically came to in our beatles video is you know with the nirvana example for instance like the 80s were silly hair metal or that really robotic electronic music and then nirvana came in it's just the same thing is basically the beatles were revelatory at that time nirvana was revelatory yeah. at that time but, you know, the context is important. But these Fresh people... Fresh breath air that bro was breaking the mold of what was acceptable yeah. at that time. So, yeah, not only do these people have a very silly opinion, in my <laughs> estimation, that, no, no, the Beatles is just objectively, like, if you found an alien and sh showed them this music, they would have recognized that the Beatles is the best. You know, like, regardless of context, that's a silly thing, but that's what they think. But then they say it like an asshole on top of that. And it's like, man, man, I don't like you people. And honestly, like, I can't think of a single... And it's only, again, because you can only be this much of an asshole about the Beatles. Because the Beatles are the number one in the history of music. Everyone kind of agrees. The Beatles, if you had to pick a number one, they're the number one. So there's no other fan of any other band that's even close to that obnoxious. You know, as Beatles fans, you know, and again, nothing against the Beatles, nothing against nice Beatles fans, but idiot jerk Beatles fans are the biggest idiot jerks ever. I, ugh. <laughs> yeah, like you kind of have to wonder when they make comments like that, when all that fabulous music was floating around, did they listen to anybody else? Did they listen to Bob Dylan? Did they listen to 
I don't know, Spencer Davis group? Did they listen to the Kinks or did they just listen to the Beatles? Yeah, that's where I, I do get the feeling these are not necessarily music fans. They're fans of uh, straw man arguments <laughs> and being jerks on the internet. Anyway, enough of that. And uh, we've already given them too much time. These fucking... <laughs> There's that word again. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, so two more comments. Nice comments. That's all for bad comments. Uh, on Perry Mason, the pirate machine said, uh, me too, talking about how when you watched Perry Mason as a child, you thought, oh, maybe I would like to be a lawyer. So she said, me too. Mom used to sit with me and watch Perry Mason. It was her idea. I was 12. She loved the cross-examining. I think she wanted to be a criminal lawyer in the days when there were no women lawyers that I know of. She was a model instead. So I guess I ended up the lawyer in the family. So this lady became a lawyer, and her mom, who loved Perry Mason, became a model. <laughs> so anyway, I just thought that was interesting. Strange anecdote. It kind of makes you wonder how many young girls were watching Perry Mason. How many went on to become lawyers? Hey, kind of interesting. Yeah. And was it because of Perry Mason? Yeah. Well, who knows? Couldn't have hurt. <laughs> you know? Kind of opened that door or put a little seed there. And then finally, to wrap up, uh, for All Creatures Great and Small, the original series, James B., this is like a little uh, little anecdote from his life. Two seven-year-old boys wandered into a barn in a field in Yorkshire, only to see a vet with his entire arm up a cow's rear end. He looked at us both with the biggest grin as we both looked back, wide-eyed with a mixture of horror, disgust, fascination, and wonder. Ah, memories, that was over 60 years ago. I love both the books and the original series because even though they were set before my time, the farmer's dialect and attitudes and the social interactions from the pipe smoking to the demographic of 1930s to 1950s Yorkshire rings absolutely true. The entire cast were a perfect storm of characters. Thanks for this. It brought back some wonderful memories. Nice. Yeah. Isn't that? That's fabulous. See, so yeah. yeah, again, like, is it so hard to, to post a nice comment? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so uh, I just thought... We got an unusual number of interesting comments this week, so why not? Yeah. And you can imagine, if you are, let's say you were seven years old, and it's one thing for us to watch that on television, but if you were seven years old and you actually did walk into a barn and you actually saw that, wow, like, I, enough said, nothing more to say. And he actually got into a little, uh, there's a little comment back and forth in that, that particular thread, uh, because he mentioned that the the new version of All Creatures Great and Small just doesn't have the same authentic feeling as the old one. And somebody kind of asked him, like, what do you mean? And he said, well, if I have to break it down, honestly, really, just everyone should be smoking. Everyone was smoking back then. <laughs> so that's one of the things about the new one where it does have that sort of sheen of uh, being a little too clean. And that's part of it. Like, where's all the smoking? Everyone should be always smoking. <laughs> smoking and drinking beer. <laughs> yeah. Someone else, too, agreed to with... Uh, it's weird, because I forget we even said these things until... But that, uh, that the new All Creatures Great and Small, how it's uh, just bathed in that music that makes you... Uh, sort of tells you how to feel. Somebody did comment about that, too. Like, yeah, that drives me crazy. So, so you know, not everyone's against us. Some people agree. <laughs> and we still get constantly comments about the, uh, the remake of The Waltons. That's the only time we didn't like something that people are glad we didn't like it. <laughs> Usually it just leads to negative comments. But uh, that's the one that I titled, you know, the Walton CW remake. Terrible or just really bad, I think I called it. 
So there's many comments that clearly didn't see all the other people that commented this who think they're being clever that are like, it's both terrible and really bad. <laughs> At least three or four people have all commented that. And it's like, okay. Yeah, well, the original Walton's TV series, no question, that's classic. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, there's also, I mean, that was, we were we were really dead on with that one. I mean, I can see why people get a little annoyed sometimes and we don't like what they like, but... Yeah, nobody likes that Walton's remake. That thing. Yeah, is not the remake, but the original. Terrible. The original series. They couldn't have done better, I don't think. All right. So anyway, yeah, I think we'll probably finish off the old podcast there. But we're gonna finish watching Mad 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 World. Although. Uh, yeah. Although really, I don't care how they get there. I only want to find out what they find at the end. Yeah, I think it's pretty much for sure that we won't quite watch every single second probably gonna skip a little bit uh, <laughs> but yeah i don't know again just uh i don't know what to tell you mad 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 world you're just too long you're just way too long and yeah it just doesn't really like you know that they talk about the the two hour 40 minute cut versus the three hour cut i mean you could make a 90 minute cut of this movie easy and it would be fine <laughs> it's just it doesn't make sense to me that it's so long so, uh, yep, fire up your angry comments about how dumb I am. I apologize for my dumbness, and we'll see you next week. It's a mad, 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 mad world. The only thing I don't like about it is the title, Too Many Mads. But anyway, it's real hard for me to sum this up. I have to keep reminding myself I'm not reviewing 50 films. I'm listing them, or else this would have taken a year. Mad Mad World is a comedy, an action movie, and a treasure hunt all in one. A criminal crashes his car over a cliff, a bunch of strangers stop to help, but in the man's dying final words tells them of a stash of money he hid under a big W. So all these strangers decide they're going after the money, but they can't agree how they're going to split it up, so it becomes a race. They travel by land, by air, by water, and everything that could possibly go wrong goes wrong. The California scenery is beautifully shot on 70mm super wide film, and the whole movie happens in real time. So when they travel from Palm Springs to the Portuguese Bend, it feels like you spent all that time and traveled with them. Of course, that makes for a long movie, but so much happens along the way that it never gets boring. It's an all-star cast, Spencer Tracy, Mickey Rooney, Buddy Hackett, Jonathan Winters, Ethel Merman, Sid Caesar, Milton Berle, and so many more. It's a large cast, and all of them are first-rate. There's certain shots where all of them are nicely positioned into the same wide frame. There's characters you root for, characters you love to hate, characters you want to see get even... And then there's a bunch of cameos like Jerry Lewis, The Three Stooges, and even Buster Keaton... The stunt work is spectacular. There's lots of car smashes and destruction. And in my favorite scene ever, a fight breaks out in an auto service shop. Everything gets wrecked. The damage keeps adding up until the entire place is leveled to the ground. It's like a live-action cartoon. All the madness seems to flow to a musical rhythm. It's like a symphony of destruction. There's no way I can properly review this movie without talking about every scene. So, I don't know, maybe another time. It's one hilarious moment after another. It's full of memorable quotes like push the button marked booze and that's the way you want it, that's the way you're going to get it. There's a few different cuts of the movie, some which are over three hours long. I think that's a bit much. I recommend the two-hour, 40-minute version. This was the one that was most commonly shown in theaters. It still retains that real-time feel, but makes a lot of wise cuts. 
So what do I love about the film, other than the fact that it's so well made? Well, it's the story. It's about common, ordinary, working people who aren't happy with their lives. They see a goal in sight, that unreachable fantasy, the big W, a symbol of all our dreams. They could all work together and achieve it, but they're overcome by their own greed. It's a movie that celebrates the comedy of life itself and how the world is truly a mad place. It's hard to pinpoint exactly why something is your favorite. It's as if you don't really pick your favorites, your favorites pick you.